You are listening to Press Church Podcasts. Please enjoy this week's message. We're going to jump right into another sermon series. Uh, I thought that we were good with one beginning of the year, and God said, hey, let's do another one. I said, all right, let's, let's dig into this. And what I want to talk about this month, it's fitting for Valentine's Day. It's fitting with the scripture that we talked about. My, my sermon series that we're going to be talking about is how to improve our love walk. How to improve our love walk. The scripture that came to mind, the scripture that we're going to stand on throughout the month, is John 13, 34 through 35. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Verse 35, By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. In verse 34, we can go back to that. Look at Jesus repeating himself multiple times in one short statement just so that he can get the importance that what he's saying, it's a new commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. In case you didn't get it 12 seconds ago when I just said it, I want to remind you about loving one another. And people in the world will know that you're my disciple, will know that you're a follower of Christ, will know that you are a Christian on how you love people. And it seems in the world that we are in today, loving people is a rarity. We're so busy in life. We've got so much going on We don't have time to stop and love people. Because loving people, it it takes a long time. Loving people is frustrating. Loving people usually doesn't bring any benefit to me. If I take time loving on you, well, that takes time away from somebody loving on me. How can we improve our love walk? Because I want people, when they see me, to know that I'm a disciple of Jesus. Not just by me wearing the Christian t-shirt. Not just by me carrying my Bible everywhere I go. But in my day-to-day walk, they recognize there's something different about him. There's something different about his family. You see, the scripture says that we are the light of the world. The light of the world, which means, just like a bug zapper, it can bring light for us to see, but it can also attract some unwantables. Those bugs start flying around that light because they're interested. What What is that? What's different about that that's going on? Now, in Christianity, unlike a bug zapper, we're not, we're not going to get them and kill them. Kill them with kindness. That's what we'll do. We'll kill them with kindness. But you'll notice that as you get closer to the heart of the Father, that people will start getting close to you. To pour your love. How can we improve our love walk? This nation is divided. We've made these stances 
that we're not budging from. And because we're not budging from these stances, that means that the person who disagrees with me is my enemy. And I don't need to talk to that person. What I need to do is bash that person, discredit that person, victimize that person. We need to learn how to improve our love walk. And we see Jesus telling us, very simple, here's a brand new commitment that I'm bringing to you. Just love one another. Well, how am I supposed to love somebody? And Jesus answers it, like I love them. Well, that's pretty, that's pretty hard if I'm being honest, because I've seen how you love Jesus. The gospel is full of how you love, and I definitely need some improvement. We see in the scriptures, we're going to talk about where is love first mentioned. We're going to use some hermeneutics. We're going to take the first series from last month. We're going to kind of tie it into this. So the rule of precedent, what we talked about, where is it first mentioned? Where is the word love first mentioned in the Bible? Because when we see that story where love is first mentioned, then we can see the importance or the intent of what God wants to do with the very beginning of love. Genesis 22 Two is the first mention of the word love. There are a lot of acts of God showing his love, but love is never actually mentioned until right here. Genesis 22, 2. Then he said, God, telling Abraham, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. The first time that love is ever mentioned is one, mentioned by God, and two, mentioned in a way of a father-son love relationship. And that God is speaking to Abraham, the one that he's made a covenant with, the one that he's promised his son is going to be a father of many nations. He's going to use that seed to be more than all the stars in the sky, all the sand on the seashore. And God says, I know how much you love him, but I want you to go and sacrifice him. Wow. I don't know if I want to improve my love walk now. That's... God says, how much do you love me? She'll go and sacrifice your son. And if you keep reading the story, you'll see that the scriptures that follow that, it says that Abraham woke up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took off. I have two children. If I got a word like that, if I was sleeping last night, God wakes me up, says, you need to go sacrifice your son. I'll tell you what mountain to do it. I would sleep in that day. Sleep in a little bit later that day. Maybe even take some Benadryl or something, some NyQuil, just to help me sleep a little bit longer. Maybe I wouldn't move. I'd be like, well, God, you told me that you were going to tell me what mountain, so I'm just going to sit here until you tell me what mountain I'm supposed to go to. 
that wasn't Abraham. It says Abraham wakes up early in the morning, saddles his donkey, puts some wood on the donkey, grabs his son, grabs some rope, grabs a knife, grabs his servants, and they just start walking. And they see the mountain from afar off, and he tells his servants, hey, we'll be back. We're going to go worship God on that mountain. And here he is on top of this mountain, and his son says, hey, Dad, I'm not the brightest of kids out there, but we've made sacrifices before. You've got fire. You've got wood. We've got a place to sacrifice. We've got God. We've got you. The only thing that we're missing is a sacrifice. And that's your favorite donkey, so we're, we're not going to sacrifice him. I'm your only son, so I know I'm in the clear. He says, God will provide. But until God provides, why don't you just lay down right here for a second? He starts to tie him. And he lifts that knife up. And when he's right about to stab him, God says, now I know. And this story right here at the very beginning where we see the word love shows up is because God made a covenant with Abraham. And that means whatever Abraham had and whatever God had, Abraham had. So that meant that when God asked Abraham, will you sacrifice your one and only son for me? Abraham said yes, meant automatically God now had to sacrifice his only son for Abraham. And every seed that came from Abraham. Love. First mention of love is such a beautiful story between a father and a son. That we see this walk that Abraham goes on. As much as he loves his son, he already knew that God said he was going to have generations after generations produced from his son. So he knew no matter what happened, if he stabbed his son, if he burned his son to pieces, somehow, someway, God was going to raise that boy from the dead because he already made a promise to him that through that seed, generations would come. The first time the word love is mentioned in the Bible. God is speaking about love between a father and a son. So how does God's love walk look like? So if I need to improve my love walk, then let's look at how God loves so that I can mirror what he's doing and how he loves. We're going to look at some scriptures that you've known and heard before if you've been in church before. Ephesians 2, chapter Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5. But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us. Verse 5. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. We go back to verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, his bank account is overflowing with mercy. He's not having to check the account to make sure he has enough mercy to give to you. He's not penny pitching. 
His mercy and love to get to you. Where sin abounded, grace so much more abounded. He's rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us. How great is His love for us. Verse 5 shows us that when you were dead in your trespasses, there was nothing that you could do. You were dead. I've been to many of graveyards and I've never seen anybody in a grave doing anything. I haven't seen the dead get up and try and go back to work. I haven't seen the dead get up out of their grave and try and drive a car, love their family again. Dead. When you're dead, you're dead. You can't do anything. When you were dead in your trespasses, He, with His great love and His riches of mercy, made you alive again. Because by grace, you have been saved. Let's look at the next scripture, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates His love for us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God wants to demonstrate what His love walk looks like. And what does that look like? That while you were still sinners, while you were still enemies, while still you were far away from God... Died for you. God died for you. You weren't even alive yet. He died for you. You haven't even sinned your first sin yet. He died for you. You haven't even sinned the sins that you're going to sin this week. He died for you. The sins that you can't seem to break, the sin habits that you're trying to overcome, that you're trying to work through, God already sent His Son. To die for you. That's how he demonstrated his love for you. That while you were still a sinner, he still loved you. He still cared for you. He still had a plan for you. He still had a way for you to overcome that. The most famous of scriptures, let's look at it. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. He so loved it. He so loved it so much that He gave His only begotten Son. He loved you so much that when He gave His only Son, He made it so simple for you to experience that love that whoever believes should not perish but have everlasting life. There's some people in my life, there's some people throughout history that I think, no, 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 God's, no, no, God, you don't, you don't need to love them. No, no. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they did to humanity. You, you don't, they don't deserve your love. Or, they just deserve a little bit of your love. Let's, you know, I, I've been going to church my whole life. I got saved when I was three. Got spirit-filled when I was nine or ten. Got water baptized when I was in high school been tithing and giving all these years. I, I could deserve probably the most love, God. But that's not what it looks like because if we read the story of the prodigal son, if I'm being honest, I'm the firstborn son. I've been in the field hanging out, enjoying it. And sometimes we look down upon that baby when what God does is run toward him. 
and he embraces him. And that prodigal son, he had a list a mile long of what he was trying to do. Well, I can be a servant. I can work in your house. I can eat the scraps. I can do all that. And the love of God says, no, no, no. While you were a sinner, I sent my son. While you were dead in your trespasses, I so love the world. Kill the fatted calf. Get the rings. Get the robes. Let's party because he's come back. God's love walk looks way different than mine. God, help me improve my love walk because he so loved the world. Deuteronomy 7, verse 9. Therefore know that the Lord your God, number one, he is God, amen, the faithful God, amen, who keeps covenants and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. A thousand generations generations. If I'm being honest, the land family might not even be to a hundred generations. But it says right here that if you love him, he'll keep his covenant and mercy with you for a thousand generations. My kids, my grandkids, my parents, my grandparents, They might not be believing with you right now, but I've got a covenant with you. The love of the Father, a thousand generations. 1 John 3, chapter 1. Therefore, oh, sorry, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it does not know Him. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. What's the greatest amount of love that He can bestow on us is by calling us His children, calling us His sons and daughters. How He can bestow the most love is by bringing us into His family. We're Gentiles. We weren't included in this original thing. But God made a way for us where there seems to be no way. He opened the door for me and you and all the Gentiles to experience Him. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. What does His love walk look like? If I'm being honest, it looks sloppy, it looks careless, it looks overwhelming, it looks wild, but it also looks strategic. That God made sure that he was pinpointing all throughout history to find a way to get his love to you, to get his son to you, to get his salvation to you. If I'm being honest, his love walks, looks, it looks sloppy, it looks careless. You're just going to throw out whoever believes? Whoever, whenever? No, that's, I've got limits on my love if I'm being honest. If you're being honest, you probably have limits on your love. But God's just careless with it, just giving it out there. If you believe, I'll call you. A child of mine. 
You can be a part of the family. I just went home and saw some of my family. Well, I'll, I'll come back to South Carolina. Was... We have family members. You have friends that you keep from a distance, but God just brings people in. Come in. Come closer. Come into my throne room. Come into heaven. That God has made a way for all of us to live with Him for eternity. What if you and your spouse have a house and everyone you love, when they get to the age of 40, get to come live with you for the rest of their lives? Not, not going to happen. Not, let's just be honest, it's not going to happen. I like my personal space. I like, I like where I'm living. You know, I like the doors shut. I like the lights off, fireplace on, kids asleep. I like all that. But that's not God. God says, hey, live your life and I'll be with you. But you know what? When you die, why don't you just come with, live with me for eternity, forever. And everything that I have is yours. And by the way, when you get here, I've already built a house for you. I've already got food prepared, got a table and banquet set up for you. It's all ready. Just come and receive it. All you have to do is believe on my son to be the ticket in. It's a sloppy, careless, crazy, strategic love. That's what his love walk looks like. And as I finish... My question number one is, have you received his love? How can I receive his love? I've been saved for so long, but I need his love today more than I've ever needed it. 1 John four seventeen through 19. 1 John 4, verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so are we in this world. Verse 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Verse 19, We love Him because He first loved us. We love Him because He first loved us. So His love is already there. There's nothing more good, there's nothing more bad that I can do to get more love from God. He's already loved me. If we go back to verse 17, it says, Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. There is a judgment seat that people are going to have to go to at the end of time. And it's been preached about and it's been harped about. It's been used as this fear tactic. That one day everybody's going to bow their knee to Jesus. And I understand what we're trying to say and what we're trying to preach in that. 
But it's also brought fear into the church. And I'm trying to live my life as best as I can because one day I'm going to get to that throne of judgment and God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are still going to be mad at me. They're going to judge me for my sins. They're still going to be angry. So I've got to keep doing this over and over. I've got to keep trying to figure out how to get God's love. But he says your love, the love has been perfected in this. But you can have boldness in that day of judgment. How do I have boldness in that day of judgment? Because it says I've got a mediator, Jesus. And I'm not going to the judgment throne. I'm going to the, the seat of my daddy. And I'm going to go stand before him in his love. And Jesus is going to say, that's one of yours. That's your son. That's your daughter. That's how I have boldness. That's how I can live my life. That's how I can stand up. Even though I fall, even though a righteous man falls, I can get back up because I know the love of the Father is with me. That when I get to heaven, I'm not going to be judged because I'm no longer viewed as a sinner. I'm viewed as a son. That sloppy, beautiful love walk that God's walking in. That you can have boldness throughout your life knowing that God already loves you. No matter what you've done, no matter what you're doing, no matter what you're going to do, the love of God is already there for you to obtain. We have this last scripture, Romans 8, 35-39. We've heard this scripture many of times. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. Verse 36, as it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Verse 37, yet in all these things that have already been mentioned up to this point, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, all of these things that have already been mentioned, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Paul, the author, is writing all the things that he can think of. All the bad things that he can think of. And he says, no, you're already more than a conqueror through Him who loved us. Verse 38, for I am persuaded... This is the Apostle Paul. This is Saul who knows the entire Bible up to this time. He's memorized it. He's studied it. He's gone out and killed people trying to defend it. He knows what the Scripture says. He knows who God is. He has a revelation to where he sees Jesus himself. He experiences him. He talks to him. He does all these things. He writes all these things. He starts all these churches. And he makes this statement, For I am persuaded that nothing will ever take me away from this, that I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, verse 39, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And if Paul has done all these studies, he's talked with Jesus and done all these things, and he's not persuaded, then you know what, I'm going to take him at his word. I'm not going to be persuaded either. Any created thing is not going to separate. That even means myself. 
I'm a created being. When I keep stumbling over myself, when I keep falling into the same sin habits, when I keep dealing with the same thing over and over again, it says that cannot even separate. Myself can't even separate from the love of God. What a beautiful love walk He has that we can receive that every day. As we're finishing up, I want to take communion together and we're going to have them pass it out. Be reminded of the love of Christ that he has for us. It says in the scriptures that God is love in 1 John 4. God is love. So I want to tell you what love has done for you. I want to remind you as they're passing this out of what love and God has done for you. Love created you. Love sent His only Son to earth for you. Love, while on earth, was tempted like you. Love experienced earth like you. But love did not sin. Love showed us how to live victoriously on this earth. Love was betrayed. Love was beaten. Love was spit on. Love was embarrassed. Love was slandered. Love was whipped. Love was nailed to a cross for you. Love experienced death for you. Love experienced eternal punishment of separation from God for you. Love rose from the dead. Love returned to heaven to purge it with His blood for you. Love sent the Holy Spirit to earth for you. Love had the Holy Spirit come to teach you and comfort you and guide you in every step of your life. Love is seated in heaven. Love is praying for you. Love is meditating and mediating for you. Love is building His church for you. Love is coming back for you. Whether in death, whether you're still alive, love is coming to get you to live with Him forever. Love loves you in your current state, but love wants to elevate you to His promises. Love is not ashamed to call you part of His family. And lastly, love is waiting for you to receive His love today. How do you improve your love walk? It starts with you experiencing His love walk first. I can't love like God until I experience His love. I can't love until I know His love. Until I've tasted and seen. Give thanks to God for He is good and His love and mercy endures forever and ever and ever. How do I improve it? Got to start by working on myself and experiencing His love for me. Because He loved me first, now I can give secondary love to others. 
Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about love in our actions, love in our words, and love in our relationships for the next three weeks. How can we improve our love walk in our actions? How can we improve our love walk in our words, in our speech? And how can we improve our love in our relationships on this earth? But it starts with us just receiving His love first. That sloppy, that wild, that crazy love. I thank God that I'm a whoever. I thank God that I was dead in my trespasses. I thank God that I was a sinner. But when I experienced His love, I am no more those things. He demonstrated His love by calling me a child of His own. And the reason we take communion is to remind us of His love walk. That He walked on this earth for 33 years and He paid a price and He paid a penalty for us. And it says that His body was broken for us. That on His way to the cross, He had to make a diversion to the whipping post. And the only reason He made that diversion was to take stripes on His back so that you and me and the rest of the world could be healed because God is good and Jesus went about doing good, healing all who were sick and oppressed by the devil. So if there's sickness in your body, it says that his body was broken so that your body can be made whole. Amen. And he tells us to take and eat and do in remembrance of him. So let's take the body together, family, and do in remembrance of him. And we can stand up as we get ready to take the cup. That there was an old covenant that God created, but he decided to make a new covenant. Hebrews, it says, a better one based on better principles because it involved you and me. Because God so loved the world. I'm so glad that He so loved the world. But I'm also glad that He so loved Jeremiah Paul Land. And in my moments of weakness, my moments of failure, and my moments of struggle, I can just receive his love. I can just snuggle up with daddy. I can go talk with my father. It still amazes me that when we lived in Louisiana, when we lived in Dallas, now living in Williston, that I can go to a quiet place, I can be in my shower, I can be in a car could be sitting on my sofa like I was last night, earphones in my ear, listening to worship music, writing this sermon, and can experience the love of God in Williston, South Carolina, on my property, that God would know without GPS exactly where I am. Come and visit me, come and talk with me, come and love me, and he can do the same for you at any time. Draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. What we do here at Press Church is we raise our glass and we toast love. Jesus.
King of kings and the Lord of lords. The one who died on the cross for me. The one who went to hell for me. The one who rose again and is in heaven praying for me. That love would do that for me. A Cajun from Louisiana, that love would do that for these people. It says that he's the author of our eternal salvation. That God's writing my salvation novel right now. Thank you so much for your love, Jesus. Thank you for showing us your love walks. Thank you for showing us what love truly looks like. That we'll never forget it. And we receive what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, Father, we thank you for your love. Thank you for your presence, your peace, your love that washes over us. We draw near to you and you instantly come running. Father, I thank you for this body of Christ. I thank you that they're healed and whole. I thank you they're the head and not the tail. I thank you that they're the salt and light of the earth. I thank you that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. Father, bless your people, protect your people, cause them to prosper and bring them back safely next Sunday in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. God loves you. If you want to talk with the PGs about blessing their God. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.